0: And live on the line, I've got singer, songwriter, producer, actress, to name but a few of your talents, Millie Jackson. Welcome to England.
1: Hey, I didn't realise I had all those titles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess if you've been doing it as long as I've been doing it, you're supposed to have a few of them, huh?
2: Yeah, I don't think
0: there's many things in the music industry you haven't done either. But uh, you you started out growing up in New Jersey, didn't you? You began life on a farm and relocated to New Jersey shortly after. That must have been a real culture shock. Or were you too young to remember?
1: Uh, When you go to the beginning, you really want to go to the beginning, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) I was in New Jersey, but I was not singing then. My dad went to New Jersey because his sister and her family was moving... And he was supposed to be going to help drive. Right. And would be back in two weeks. Oh, right. Well, evidently he likes New Jersey because he never came back.
0: <laughs> I see. So so what age were you then? Uh,
1: 14, I think. Right. I arrived in New Jersey on my 15th birthday.
0: I see. I see. And when you got there, you got yourself a job, didn't you? you oh, yeah. You you were working as a waitress? Weren't you the first black waitress in the restaurant?
1: That was at Shrouse, the candy people. Yeah. They had 129 restaurants in New York. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. So I had a job working for Shrouse at 556 Fifth Avenue.
2: Wow.
0: I mean, as a teenager growing up in New York City, you must have been exposed to so much great music. And your dad was a music lover as well, wasn't he? Wasn't he a bit of a record collector?
1: I was the record
2: collector. Oh wow!
1: Yeah, uh, the company in Nashville—they played music late at night, okay. and they put together packages of R&B music. All that right, yeah. They they could sell to the public. So since my daddy made corn liquor, and our house <laughs> was the party house on <laughs> Friday and Saturday. Oh yeah. I was the one
0: to order all the music. Wow. Sounds like a great night. <laughs> a great upbringing. Um, so, um, I mean, you got work. Uh, I say you started as a, as a waitress. You also got work as a model, didn't you? Got published in some yeah, magazines. Brief,
1: uh, briefly, yeah, for Jet Magazine.
0: Yeah, Just and Sepia on and Jive. Yeah, yeah, Jive. So
1: Jive. How, how did that opportunity well, that arise? all the
0: same company. Oh, right, I see. So how did that opportunity arise then to become a model?
1: You know, I can't remember... All I know is they took my picture and put me in the magazine Fantastic. with a bathing suit on. And uh, I don't remember how I met the guy that did it. What, what,
0: what, huh? You, you, never mind, never mind. You started uh, singing in New York City in a club. Can you tell me about that? Uh, the Palm Cafe in Harlem? That was a bet. Uh, right, a bet. Okay.
1: Yeah, uh, my co-workers at Strauss, we used to go to 125th Street on Thursday nights because they had the Lester Young band. Right, And so we would have a party among ourselves and anybody could go up and sing. Well, this woman, well, this girl, Lise, she went up and was singing with Lester Young and I was talking about how bad she sounds. Fine. And my group of people... Bet me that I couldn't sing better, that I wouldn't go up and sing. So I went up and asked Lester, could I sing? And he let me sing. Uh, He played Benny King, Don't Play It No More. All right, yeah. I sang it, and there was a man having dinner in the other side of the club who hired me to do a gig.
0: Fantastic. Was that the chap from the Crystal Ballroom?
1: That's how I ended up working the crystal ballroom the next week. Well, it might have been two weeks. I don't remember. Yeah. But it was right down the street anyway from the place that I was at.
0: Well, that was a bit of a baptism of fire, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess because the crystal ballroom was right down the road, was right down the street, uh, that's why he was eating. He worked the crystal and he'd go right down the street Mm -hmm. and have dinner. Yeah. Uh,
0: and on the stage, I think to ease your nerves, you got quite a bit of interaction with the audience, hadn't you? That must have been quite fun.
1: Well, I have always did that. You know, it was like, if I can't think of anything, I, I do it now. <laughs> if, 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 if I see that the audience is getting involved, I get involved with the audience. Lovely. So,
0: it was a few years on, but how did you come to the attention of MGM Records? Because you caught a track for them in 69,
2: didn't
1: you? That's because the guy who had the band at the ballroom was a producer. That was Billy Nichols.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, and he had a manager that he introduced me to that wanted to record me, and they recorded me.
0: Two great sides. Um, my heart took a lick in was one, wasn't it? And this, a little bit of something.
1: And a whole lot of nothing now.
2: <laughs> That's right.
0: And and the flip's not off, buddy, either, is it? My Heart Took a licking,
1: But it kept on
0: ticking. Yeah. And both produced yeah. by the legendary Ronnie Savoy. What was he like to work for?
1: Uh, I really don't remember. No? Uh, I, knew, I knew Billy Nichols, and Billy Nichols was the person that, you know, who got me hooked into all of this music on the on the business side of things. In fact, uh, he wrote a little bit of something.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: but you only made one record with MGM, and then you decided to uh, up stumps and move to Spring. What uh, what drove that, yeah. please?
1: Billy Nichols and his manager took me to Spring.
0: Right. And, and that, that was a much smaller label, wasn't it? So was there a different feel? Was it more of a, a family feel? You tend to find... Well-
1: well, see, the thing is, Spring—they had Joe Simon. Oh yeah. So they were—they were a small label, but they uh, and they had Fatback Fat Band. Yeah. So uh, they were distributed by MGM. Oh yeah.
0: Smash in. So your first uh, single on uh, on Spring Records was called "A Child of God." Did really rather well for you. Let's have a listen.
1: People got mad at Joe Simon. Why? Because he had it played on the gospel station.
0: Oh, he <laughs> it, it didn't listen to the words then, did he?
1: And they saw a child of God in the gospel stations played it. Yeah. And they got mad at him, and he was saying, "Ain't no need to be. In, it's, it's my fault that you don't listen to the whole song."
0: Well, I mean, for, for any listener who's been living under a stone and perhaps has missed a child of God, it's it's actually a social commentary on the problems of racial inequality, isn't it? It was um a candid look at the uh yeah. at daily life in well, across America. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, that did really rather well. In fact, wasn't it the first record uh, pretty much with a spoken intro? Uh, it was quite quite groundbreaking from what I uh, what I remember. I don't even remember. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you got uh, long spoken sections, have not you? It was, it was um, not quite rap, I suppose. It was a forerunner to uh, to speaking rather than singing. But yeah, great record. Um, and you followed it up with uh, "Ask Me What You Want" and uh, or a song that is, let me tell you, an absolute for- well, floor filler to this yeah, day.
1: Well, that Billy Nichols and I wrote that. Right. Yeah, I guess I owe him my career, Donna.
0: <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I think he's been living <laughs> off your coattails. <laughs>
1: He was a producer with Motown.
0: Oh, right, yeah. So, yeah, ask me what you want. Top 30 in the pop charts. But the song that uh, really broke you over here is My Man, A Sweet Man. Now, I know you're not ever so ever so fond of the record, are you? But I can tell you, it's a guaranteed floor filler. It's every DJ's get-out-of-jail-free card to this
2: day.
1: Okay, all right. Well, that was Billy Nichols' production also uh, and his manager. Yeah. But, uh, yeah... I hated the song.
0: <laughs> Just tell me tell me why.
1: Because, because I like talking garbage. Right. And the last thing in the world I wanted to do was say my man is a sweet man because I always talked about him. Okay. My notoriety was the fact that I would say the things about men that other women didn't have the nerve to say.
2: All right. Got you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there I am talking about my man is a sweet man. Yeah, not,
0: not everybody's skipping through daisies, are they, oldie hands.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I remember saying, um, i do the song because it was a hit, and I had to sing the song, and then I go, my man is a sweet man, kind man, fine man, who gives an F? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: That's how it always ends a song. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Lovely. Well, it's still very popular over here. Let's give it a play. Um, your album, um, it hurts so good. Great album. Did really well on the uh, on the album charts as well, and uh, the Thank single. You the title track, did really well on... Um, it was featured in the black exploitation film Cleopatra Jones, wasn't it? Yes. That must have raised you to a whole new... Well, not a whole new audience, but a much wider audience, because that was oh, uh, worldwide, wasn't it? Yes. Fabulous. Didn't you also get um, Best Female R&B Vocalist from Cashbox magazine?
1: I think I was nominated, but I don't
0: think I won. Uh, according to my according to my research, you did. Check, well, check the boxes uh, under your bed. Uh, yeah. There'll be a trophy there somewhere. <laughs>
1: well it wasn't in america okay because i was mad i was in the running with Aretha franklin
0: oh right no pressure and she then won. yeah
1: and she won for a song that shouldn't have even been nominated because it was two years old oh goodness me yes
0: i'll tell you what that, that it's so good lp one of my favorite songs and a, a- Fabulous song, well received over here, is the Ashford and Simpson written song called Don't Send Nobody Else. What a beautiful okay, record. Yeah. I tell you what, I never get tired of hearing this. First one to record, of right? hmm?
1: they were friends of mine, yeah. Yeah, if you can't come yourself,
0: don't send nobody else,
1: don't send nobody else.
0: Yeah, beautiful record, <laughs> and that got recently re released, didn't it? On um, Ace Records, AD Crowsdale.
1: Don't start me in the line, I don't remember way back that. You, you know, you're going to 1969, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, as long as you realize
0: that, yes, yes, we're just having a chat, wonderful. Um <laughs> You see, the thing is, it's, all, all, it's not new to me, but I was two in 1969, and um, I'm, I'm discovering as much new music from the 60s, 70s as I am present day. It's uh, every day's a school day.
1: Okay, all
0: right. So tell me about Caught Up, the album Caught Up, two Grammy nominations.
1: Well, Caught Up was something that, you know, was done because I had gotten around to actually performing on stage and, you know, and all of that and and was caught up being a live album, mm-hmm. you know. So I was basically putting on record what I was always doing on stage.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But the album was like a bit of a concept album, wasn't it? Because All Side 1 was um, from the, the perspective of a cheating husband's girlfriend and All Side 2 was on the, the perspective of the cheated wife. That's quite clever. Yes.
1: That was my big idea. Yeah? Because I was co-producer of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if you should probably thank Isaac Hayes for that.
0: All oh, right. Well, we'll talk about him in a little yeah. while, because you worked closely with Isaac Hayes, didn't you, later on in the uh, in the decade?
1: Yeah, yeah, but uh, I was always a rapper when I was singing, and that was, I would go out on... I, in fact, I teased... Uh, Gladys Knight, because she was, you know, my inspiration. Okay. And and I tease her, I tell her, You're the reason I'm going to hell. <laughs> because I had to cuss to get you out of my throat. The Georgian peaches in both of our voices, <laughs> I had, you made me cuss.
2: <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Lovely.
1: Lovely.
0: There's a, a track that gets a lot of play in my household on that LP, and that's your cover of Some of the First Time. What a great version. That's There's so much passion that, in that song. That, that, that's a country song. Yeah. I always used to wonder, you know, how a girl from who grew up on the New York music scene could have such a rich southern sound in a music with the horns and whatever, and then I find out that you recorded at Muscle Shoals in Alabama. Wow. Yeah. Using yeah. the Muscle Shoals rhythm section. How was that? Tell me, because they were at the peak of the game, weren't so that
1: they? When, that was when Brad Shapiro got involved. Yeah. He took me to Muscle Shoals, yes. So how was it? It was good. Great. great. <laughs> It was like working with my own band. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, not content, I mean, you're you're a busy lady anyway, but not content with being a, a singer and a songwriter and a producer. You also formed and produced the group called The Facts of Life, didn't you? How was that?
1: Yes, because they were friends of mine. And, mm-hmm. and Keith Williams and Chuck Carter was like the two biggest local singers in Brooklyn. Right. Jean, was my girlfriend, and, and she was like Tyrone Davis' sister, and oh, they right. were with him. Yeah. So I just everybody wanted me to record them, so I just decided to put them all in one group. <laughs> Fantastic.
0: <laughs> Lovely. Well, I mean, it, it was uh, it was certainly productive because they got a, a top twenty hit, didn't
1: they? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and and Brad Shapiro. Put him on his label that he had out of Florida. Yeah. So I didn't have to find a label or nothing,
0: you know. Excellent. Easy right then. You mentioned yeah. uh, you mentioned Isaac Hayes. Um, in 1979, you uh, you did a duet album with him uh, called "Royal Rappings." How was that? I mean, he's the master of silky soul, isn't it? They're all lovely, snuggly yeah, songs.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it was like the fact that uh, he. W- He was the male rapper, and I was the female rapper, so we decided to put them together. And I called his manager and asked his manager about it, and he said, Oh, yeah, no problem. (laughs) Just like that, it was done. And with us being the professionals that we were, we went to muscle shows, Men Brad, Uh and recorded all of the songs. We went to Nashville and we put the horns on. Oh, right. And I came to Atlanta because he lived here, Isaac Hayes did. Mm -hmm. And I knew him, and he was, you know, he was all excited about it. And I never sang harmony before in my life. Right. So. I was going to have to, you know, I knew it was going to take a long time. So I booked the studio for a whole week. Right. Just so to get the vocals. I felt I said, well, I, you know, I don't know how to sing duets. I don't know the harmony part. So this is going to take forever.
0: You're going to tell me you did it <laughs> in a day, aren't you?
1: He said, no, it won't. You sing and I'll do the harmony to you.
2: Right. It took. We did the whole
1: damn album in two days. Wow! <laughs> one side
0: one day, and the one other side the next day. Fantastic. <laughs> Lovely. Um. Yep. Uh, Spring Records closed in nineteen eighty four, which meant a change of label for you. What, what happened to Spring then?
1: Uh, they basically Joe Simon went to be a preacher. Okay. Yeah. So. You know, and he was one of the owners. Right. And Got in charge of mostly mostly of the artists. Mm-hmm. And uh, Spring was basically uh, Roy Riskin, he took care of the politics of it all. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bill
2: Spatowski
1: had all the connections to the music industry. Uh-huh. So it was like the three of them, you know. Roy, Julie and Bill was in charge of the company and once Joe Simon got religion, he was finished with it. He was going gospel, so Mm -hmm. it didn't leave a whole lot to the other two. Well, I mean,
0: happily, all of your spring era albums are available. They've been reissued, haven't they, on a UK record label, Ace Records, through Eddie Crowsdale. So that makes them nice and accessible for a whole new generation fabulous yep, and your, your, chalk, yep, your yep. chalk success continued into the 80s didn't it as long as they still send me my check <laughs> absolutely absolutely now 80s a great guy i know I him personally i mean your chart success continued well in, in the 80s with uh, hot wild unrestricted crazy love that was big for you let's just give that a play Wonderful. So how do you settle into your new label then?
1: Uh, you know, I just do what I do, and it's up to whoever I'm signed to to do what they do. Because
0: it was a UK label, wasn't it? It was Jive Records in London. Yeah. Fabulous.
1: But they were distributed by Polydor, you know.
0: Oh, no, I wasn't aware. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they were UK label, but at the same time, they were here in America. Mm. Yeah.
0: So how, how was how was working with Elton John? He's a fun guy, isn't he? Yeah, oh,
1: yeah. It was great. It was great.
0: Uh... Well, your duo at Act of War spent five weeks in the UK Top 40, and the video looked to be a lot of fun, too.
1: came back and asked me about the record and i said okay and it took us a day to do it, wow. <laughs> Case cold. it was easy, simple.
2: lovely
0: in uh in the bag fantastic um but uh didn't you, you you found a little bit of problem getting radio airplay didn't you because your lyrics were um a, a, a oh, bit close
1: definitely. yeah yes. yes frankie crocker was the one that had the nerve to put the bleeps in my records because (laughs) he was the DJ, in fact, the most, uh, the biggest R&B DJ in New York. Yeah. And he did it, so then once he played it, it was case
0: closed. Yeah. You see, you you weren't really doing anything wrong. You're just identifying, uh, getting a rapport with your audience, weren't you, your listener base? You're singing singing about everyday things that matter to those people. I mean, nowadays, nobody would think twice, would they? <laughs> you'd be, you'd be no, uh, no. getting mainstream play. But back then, see, again, groundbreaking.
1: I was just trying to put on wax what I was already doing on stage. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Talking about on stage, you went treading the boards, didn't you? You you wrote a touring play and starred Young Man, Older Woman. Yeah. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. Um. Let's face it. If the idea comes up, I bring it out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I've seen that. (laughs) There's a bit of a theme running through your career. I got the
1: idea and I did it. Yeah? Simple as that. It it wasn't like I had to get anybody to sponsor me to do it. No. Because I had the money to do it myself, so case goes. Well, actually, it was quite
0: um, a good marketing ploy, wasn't it? Because the play was built around your album for Jive Records, Young Man, Older Woman. Let's have a listen to the title track. broke box office records didn't it run for four years
1: the play yeah yeah. it did uh over about six weeks in new york alone yeah and then we took it on the road and the rest is history
0: that must have been a lot of fun you know must have been a lot of fun oh yeah in fact didn't you you started performing a sequel didn't you or a subsequent soundtrack album uh with
1: it it? ain't over
0: yeah (laughs) but it was over wasn't it
1: it was yes
0: yes That came to a rather abrupt end. Are you able to tell me about that? Uh,
1: no, I really can't. I think what really happened is the fact that the guy who did the promotions, uh and promoted the
0: first one,
1: yeah, I kind of fell out with him.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, it's a shame, isn't it? Because, yeah. I mean, the lineup on the, on the second play, you got Ray Goodman and Bran, of course, the moments. Yeah. And, yeah, you got yeah. Uh, your daughter was uh, taking part as well, Keisha. Antonio Fargus. Oh, yeah. So you've got a great lineup. It's such a shame that, um, that it fell through, but I, I, I sympathise with you. I know exactly where Antonio you're coming from.
1: Antonio played my mother-in-law.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, there's got to be some YouTube footage of that. I need to see that.
1: <laughs> oh, boy.
0: <laughs> so you, you went back to recording, but this time you set up your own record label, didn't you? Weird records. Yeah. How is that, complete control? I mean, you've always uh, you've always had a large amount of control over your music, haven't you? Which is how you've been able to push the boundaries. But now, of course, you've got complete yeah. carte blanche.
1: It's, it's whatever I say now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think your most recent album's called Not For Church Folk, and I think the clue's rather in the title, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to play the lead single from that LP. This is called Butter Size. Right, so...
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah. Tell me, I'm rather intrigued, tell me about your um, your radio-presenting prowess. You were Drive Time presenter for a radio show in Dallas, Texas.
1: Yes, yes. And the only reason I did that was because when I had the play out and we would go into a city to do the play... Every, we had to do, you know, promotions and, and interviews and stuff. And I go to the radio station and I see the DJ with his hand on the button. Yeah. Cause he thought I was gonna curse on the guy <laughs> and we get fined and fired and yeah. all of that. Yeah. So I took the job in Dallas just to prove to people that. I had sense enough to talk without cussing. Yeah, of course. I because people want to hear me cuss on stage. Yeah. I, but I have sense enough to know what can't be said on the air. So, therefore, I took the radio show to tell people when I was doing the play, oh, excuse me, you can move your hand. I do radio also.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you proved your point because you did it for 13 years, didn't you? Did you miss it?
1: Uh, I got tired of doing it. it was a, It was a bit too much, you know, because mm. I was still working on the weekends. Right. And I had to show up for my radio show on Monday. So, like, I work Sunday night, go home, go to the radio station. Yeah. I spent three days traveling before I could get back home. And, you know, yeah. Monday night, 10 o'clock at night before I could get back home. Yeah. After radio. And as soon as I quit the radio, they sold the station. So <laughs> nobody at the station, only one person, the guy that works at night at the station, still talked to me because everybody else got fired. They I think they showed it to some Koreans or something. All right. And everybody was fired so and it, it was your my fault. <laughs> fault. Yes, my
2: Charming. fault.
1: Well, I quit work so they got fired. Oh dear. So, well all of you were here before I got here. <laughs> And, and now it's my fault that you fired. You should, <laughs> I can be thanked for the years that I kept you working. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody needs somebody to blame. Don't take it out.
1: Yeah.
0: You got honoured again in 2015 uh, and got inducted into the official Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame, didn't you, in Mississippi?
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. See, I forget all of this. You ain't doing nothing but bringing, bringing back memories.
0: Happy memories, hopefully. <laughs>
1: Half of the stuff you say to me, I have to think about it. Uh, did I do that? Oh, yeah, I did, didn't
0: I? <laughs> well, you see, it's good for me to confirm this stuff because um, I did find that um, somebody had attributed you to have written some songs in the 1960s. Mel Williams and Connie Van Dyke. If you go on the internet, it says that you wrote those two songs. So let me know if there's a royalty check comes through because you might be on <laughs> something no good idea here.
1: you talking about. No,
0: no, never mind. Um... But you were recently in the studio with um, doing projects with Jesse James and also Jeannie Tracy, weren't you? That's
1: been three or four years at least. Has it? Yeah.
0: All right. So are you in the studio? Yeah. Can we expect any new material from you? No. <laughs> right. So how are you spending your day then, just relaxing and enjoying your retirement?
1: once a week to get my mail out my
0: post office mm-hmm.
1: box and I go to the grocery store. Yeah. Case closed, I'm finished.
0: I tell you <laughs> I tell you what, that's not as, um, as strange as you'd think, you know, because so many people that I speak to, me included, COVID, I was quite comfortable sat at home uh, in my own company in front of the fire. <laughs> and uh, now yeah. I just don't want to go out. I can't be bothered. I'm settled.
1: Same here. Yeah. Although I do have a gig. Yeah. June 10th, Roger Redding called me last month and says, go ahead, cuss me out. Come. I said, for what? <laughs> he said, because I'm broke. All right. I said, I should cuss you out because you're broke? He said, no, you should cuss me out because I booked a date for you without asking. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, you're supposed to get cussed out. When, when is this date? He said, June 10th. Okay. I says, oh, well, i got a long time to cuss you out. It's okay. And then he told me he had added, it was outdoors, so in case I was contemplating uh, the COVID and not doing it, he said, it's booked outdoors. It's mm-hmm. an outdoor in the park concert. So I'll be able to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. And he added $15,000 to my price.
2: Ka <laughs> So So where...
1: I went, okay, I, I called the band. I said, I think we're going to work soon. <laughs> <June 10.
0: laughs> Lovely. And where, where's the venue? Whereabouts is this if people want tickets? What, here, coo-
1: down the road in Georgia.
2: All right. Lovely. Yes. That'd be nice. It'd be nice weather.
1: here in Macon. His company is in Macon, and I'm in Atlanta, so. The gig is between here and Macon somewhere. I got, I only have six months to figure
0: it out. <laughs> Wing it. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Fabulous. Right. Uh, Millie, thank you so much for the chat. Such an honor to speak to you. And uh, I wish you all the very best for the future and for your forthcoming thank gig. I'm sure much. there's going to be plenty more of them.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. Excellent. All righty.
0: Thank you, dear. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What a lovely lady. I'm going to play out now with one of my personal favourites from Millie's repertoire. This is taken from the Lovely Yours LP, and it's called You Can't Turn Me Off.